Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us today. And I am just losing my mind over our next guest. I'm very honored to have him on. Dr. Winfield Bevins is a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary. He has written a whole number of books um, in recovering tradition for evangelicals and liturgy and sacraments and that sort of thing and how we practically apply them in the church today. Also teaches missiology and a whole different um, bunch of things to do with church planting and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very excited to hear what he has to say today. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Winfield. It's so good to see you. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm passionate about all this stuff, as you said. So I'm, I'm as excited as you are. Yeah, you're the best. You're the best. And I've, I came to know you through reading one of your books. So I'm absolutely fangirling over you at the moment. So how many books have you have you written? Um, I think a little over 10. Yeah. Awesome. And all in that sort of space of tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I do, you know, I've written some books on church planning. I've got a a book, I've done research on movements, historic Mm -hmm. movements, um, early Methodism, but a lot of my real personal research and my more kind of, I guess, popular books are kind of engaging in kind of the recovery of tradition liturgy for today. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, awesome. And I love you're also a Pentecostal charismatic as well. So oh, I love yeah. that we're marrying those two <laughs> things together. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So half of this interview will be in tongues, if that's okay with okay. you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> awesome. So t- today we're looking at St. Aidan of mm. Lindisfarne. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, firstly, how you got into uh, this saint and how you got to know this saint and then maybe a little bit of his background and how he yep. was spiritually formed and his development. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, St. Aidan's really personal to me. My my best friend and mate is in, he's in Ireland. Uh, his name's Mark Dunwoody and he and I have done kind of training together globally over the last decade. And gosh, about seven years ago, I think we, um, I'd kind of led a conference in the north of England and he and I just jumped in a car and said, Hey, let's just go visit the Northern saints. And just, so we kind of went up, we went to Whitby, uh, spent time at Durham cathedral. Um, and then we, we had a little retreat on Lindisfarne Island and it was, it was a thin place just to, it's hard to just describe the beauty, the rawness, um, of that island. It's just this tiny island that twice a day um, with the tide comes in and out, it becomes an island. And then you got to be careful, like driving on if you're, you know, <laughs> if the tide's coming in, because literally your car will be submerged with, with the tides. Yeah. As they come in. You need some sort of chitty, chitty, bang, bang situation. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need turn to, into a boat. <laughs> well, it's crazy. People have died. I mean, the water just wow. rolls in really quickly. It's very powerful. And, but it's, it's a thin place in that, it's, you know, there are people and fishermen that are still on the island, but it is, wow. it's just magical. It's like you're walking with the saints. And, 
And so that experience really impacted the both of us. And so over the last year or so, he and I have been kind of co-writing. We've just been taking our time really with a book on Celtic missional spirituality. And I think wow. what really captured me was, one, the deep spirituality of a lot of times people, when they talk about Celtic spirituality, you know, they kind of, they focus on prayer and kind of the contemplative nature, but the early Celtic saints were some of the greatest missionaries in the history yeah. of the church. Amazing. And so for me is looking at it through the fascinating lenses of mission and like, mm. how do we, um, how do we do mission out of this deep place of prayer and spirituality? And wow. so that kind of um, kind of created in me this fascination and the, just really a love for, Saint Aidan. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So, who who is Saint Aidan, and and like how how did he become yep. a Christian? What do we know about him? Yeah. So here's what we know. So Bede's uh, ecclesiastical history of the English Church is really kind of the primary source document, some of the earliest mm -hmm. documentation. And the significance of Bede is like he's he's writing this history of the English Church just a couple hundred years after it happened. So he was wow. only a couple generations removed. Mm. So these accounts are very fresh. And mm -hmm. so many of us have probably heard the story of St. Patrick and, you know, yeah. how Patrick evangelized the, you know, the Irish, you know, whether, whether you know that much or not, you, everybody celebrates St. Patty's day. Yeah. Well, Patrick really kind of started a groundswell of, mm. of mission activity that was holistic. It was spirit filled. It was rooted wow. in tradition, but also engaging culture context. And so out of Ireland come these missionary saints that just have this zeal Amazing. to just go so on cool. pilgrimage and just see the world come to faith. I'm I'm half Irish, so I love that. All right. Well, I'm a quarter Irish too, so <laughs> awesome. we can claim it. We can claim absolutely, it. absolutely. So you have um, Columba goes and establishes the monastery mm -hmm. on Iona. And many of us mm -hmm. uh, have probably heard of kind of the great missionary hub of Iona. And so, you know, I'll give you the condensed version. Um, king, you know, the king in the north of England um, kind of escapes and comes to Iona and, and a refuge and ends up returning to the north of England and invites them to come and send missionaries to evangelize the north, wow. the people of the north. And the first missionaries were kind of, uh, it was a failure. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> And so they come back and they're like, these people are pagans. They're, you know, they're opposed to the gospel. Yeah. And Aiden yeah. stands up and says, you know what? Maybe you just, maybe you need to, you, you tried to give them the, the, you know, the, the, the strong word. Maybe you need to give them the milk and start there. Yeah, and, wow. and this committee turned and said, you know what? Why don't you go? And Aiden, <laughs> yeah, you think you, know, you can do it? Like, yeah, you think you yeah, can do it? Yeah. And, and so Aiden by all accounts and the history is this incredibly humble man. Like he, mm. he kind of spoke out of just a deep place of humility. He said, I wow. will go. And he goes with a handful of monks and the King says, Hey, I'll give you anywhere you want. And Aiden sees this little tiny Island that really is kind of inhabitable. And he says, I want that Island. That's where we want to go because it's just on the edge of the kingdom. So wow. we won't be overly influenced by the culture uh, but it's close enough that we can do mission. The king was like, you're crazy. And um, I, I'm paraphrasing here. It's like yeah. the message Bible version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. <laughs> and cool. so Aiden establishes this uh, monastic mission hub that becomes wow. one of the greatest epicenters of mission 
Um, it's really how England was evangelized was through wow. this tiny little island um, that you could walk around the entire island in just a few hours, like Amazing. literally tiny. And um, it becomes a place of deep spirituality. It becomes a place of learning. It becomes really a center of learning where it, it was like a prototype to the modern seminary. So these wow. monks would come, they would study, they would come as young leaders, and they would be sent out um, literally from there all, all, through, all throughout Europe. And the other unique connection that I think you'll appreciate out of this is Aiden had a very special relationship with St. Hilda who established the abbey there and was abbess over, there were two, um, there were men and women um, wow. who were under her leadership there at Whitby. And so she's wow. one of the greatest leaders um, in, in church history, um, wow, but especially there in the evangelism of the North. Wow. That's incredible. Um, St. Hilda, you need to read up on it. St. Hilda, yeah. Well, I was born very close to Whitby, so that's very interesting. I love all these connections. Like, this is my my roots. Um, Very cool. So, yeah, can you tell us maybe a little bit about, do we have any sort of works that we know of that came from St. Aidan um, or maybe some big events that he was involved in um, throughout his life and ministry? Yeah. So again, we, we don't have any actual primary source um, documents, but really the, the, the main stories that we have come from Bede, who, again, Bede is actually probably the most uh, significant early historian because he wow. does a chronological history. Like he created what we utilize the structure of historiography that that Bede essentially did when he did the history of the church in England. He creates this this very clear kind of chronological history that um, most of modern historiography actually build in his influence. So uh, I could just quote some stuff from him if if you want to just kind of hear. He talks about, again, the beauty of Aiden is um, just the humility I mean, he, you know, the king gave him a horse and tried to confer, you know, riches on him. And he gave (laughs) everything away to the poor. Wow. Um, These early Celtic missionaries were committed to freeing slaves because, you know, Patrick was, had been captured into slavery and taken to Ireland and returned. Mm. So it was really, I use the term holistic mission, word and deed. Mm. Um, They weren't just preaching the gospel. They were living the gospel with their lives. And here's a snapshot of what Bede says about him. He says he cultivated peace and love, purity, humility. He was above anger and greed, pride and conceit. He set himself to keep as well to teach the laws of God with diligence and study and prayer. He used his priestly authority to check the proud and powerful and tenderly comforted the sick. He relieved and protected the poor. To sum up in brief from what I've learned and knew from those who knew him, he took pains never to neglect anything that he had learned from the writings of the evangelist apostles and prophets. And he set himself to carry them all out um, with all of his powers. And um, I think the best way that I describe um, that I, I used to term missional spirituality. It's kind of like um, contemporary Christianity. You have these different streams and I, I run in these different streams. So like <laughs> Alan Hirsch and others, like I speak at conferences with like, church planning and missional kind of thought leaders. 
But we oftentimes don't think about the spirituality that fueled the mission. Mm, beautiful. And then you have on this other side, you got like Richard Foster and you know others that are kind of writing about contemplative spirituality and mm. spiritual disciplines. Well, when we talk about the life of Aiden and the significance of the work that happened there on Lindisfarne, um, you have this convergence of a deep spirituality beautiful. that that um, gives birth to mission. And I use I use the language my friend. Mark in Ireland and I, in our book, we, we call it ebb and flow spirituality because wow. as, as the tides of the ocean ebb and flow, there's, mm-hmm. there's an ebbing, which is where we retreat to be with God and the mm-hmm. flows when we go back out in mission. Beautiful. Now, here's a prayer. I will share this prayer because it, it mm-hmm. has impacted me and so many others. It's a prayer that's kind of attributed to the spirit of Aden. Yeah. Cool. That kind of captures this. It says, leave me alone with God as much as may be. As the tide draws the waters close to the shore, make me an island set apart alone with you, God, holy to you. Then with the turning of tide, prepare me to carry your presence back out to the busy world, the world that rushes in on me till the water comes again and folds me back to you. Wow, beautiful. And that ebb and flow is really, I think, the call for all of us mm. as Christians, whether you're totally. in the academy, whether you're a pastor, mm. whether you're on the front lines, whether you're a yeah. healthcare worker. Um, so many people are talking about mission and, hey, we got to mm. engage culture. We got to, you know, and what happens is we're reacting right now with all the craziness that's mm. happening in the world without beginning with reflection and prayer. And wow, I think the right. lesson that we can learn from so Aiden and these, these early, mm. uh, you know, monastic thinkers is, we have to retreat to be with God mm, before beautiful. we can go back out into the world in mission. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. Such a great thought as well. And studying the, the history of Pentecostalism and the emergence of Pentecostalism, yep. you see these people who have this real encounter with God and with the Holy Spirit, and you see it's out of that encounter that they then yes. go, all right, we've got to go to the world. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to, you know, share the love of God to people who are far off, you know. Um, yep. So I, I love that that's sort of, yeah, just like um, a, a reflection or a, a – a present day move yep. of something that has been happening, as you can see throughout history that we see in, in the lives of these saints and people. Powerful. So can you tell us what sort of happened over his ministry journey? Like what happened in his life and um, what, what is he known for in terms of things that he achieved in his, in his missions? Yeah. And stuff well, like that? I mean, he, he was an ordinary, he would have been an, you know, and this is the interesting thing. So you read like um, Alan Kreider's patient ferment of the early church, where he says, you know, people say, how did the early church explode? How did, you know, yeah. it was, it, yeah, there were miracles and signs and wonders. There was, there was that stuff, but it actually grew through ordinary women and men wow. doing the ordinary stuff. Amazing. And Aiden was someone who said yes to God. And so let's let's begin with that. He's this unknown monk on an Iona and just says yes and wow. goes with nothing but faith. And the first people who went, they failed. They turned around and said, these are heathens. Well, <laughs> Aiden had obviously kind of this spiritual perseverance mm. and deep faith. And all accounts um, that Bede talks about him was he was also a man of just real humility. He was a miracle worker. He prayed for miracles. Beautiful. He calmed storms. 
I mean, there's a, there's some amazing when you read these histories, um, stories of miracles um, wow. and healings that happened through the lives of these Celtic saints. Um, and these were real. This is how Christianity was established in Ireland. Mm. And, and so many times as Christianity comes to new lands, there are these power encounters that validate the preaching of the gospel. And so, again, he just comes with literally nothing, picks the most humblest, hardest place to live. <laughs> and you experience this when you're on Lindisfarne. The wind's blowing in your face, you know, the salt water, you know, it's like what you would imagine in a movie. It's gray, it's dark, there's seals kind of washing up on the shore and it's, you know, it's, it's salty, you know, it's kind of like you expect a pirate ship to kind of come up off the horizon. (laughs) And it was out of that place that God used. And many, maybe you've heard of the Lindisfarne Gospels, which are some of those beautiful, Mm. um, illustrated, illuminated mm. um, religious manuscripts um, in the Christian church. Those, those were created on Lindisfarne. Amazing. And so there's this legacy that he creates. And mm. I think what I would say is oftentimes it's not what we do, but it's it's what we do in pouring in the life of others. So here you have Patrick, mm. yes, who is yes. a slave and returns to the land of his mm. captors mm. with nothing, no money, nothing but faith and evangelizes Ireland. And that evangelistic missionary spirit becomes like, spreads like wildfire. Mm. So Columba and all these other saints, man, they're jumping on, but you've heard the stories of St. Brendan, who some people say rode all the way to North America, which that's (laughs) crazy. Maybe he did. I don't know. But there was just this pilgrimage spirit. Yeah, that's awesome. And so there's this legacy thing when you look at the trickle effect of, again, waves of Mm. renewal and revival and the connection of that with mission. And so you say, what is Aiden's legacy? Well, Aiden raises up the greatest monastery um, in the north of England that planted Mm. dozens of other monasteries, hundreds of churches throughout England, sent out hundreds, maybe thousands of leaders. And so... um, a good friend of mine, he's 80 something, wrote, uh, George Hunter wrote The Celtic Way of Evangelism. Have you heard of that little oh, book? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to get it. Celtic yeah. Way of Evangelism. So the, these Celtic saints preserved Christianity during the Dark Ages. Wow. So the legacy in these unknown mm, monasteries, right. like in the middle mm. of nowhere. Yeah. These leaders are transcribing manuscripts. So when you have the barbarians, they're they're burning down the libraries. They're destroying mm. civiliz- Western civilization. You mm. have these monks in the middle of nowhere on a place <laughs> like Lindisfarne transcribing. They're praying the daily offices. Wow. They're spirit filled. They're doing wow. the diligent stuff. Mm. Um, they're studying scripture. They're, they're transcribing books. They're preserving the histories wow. of the church wow. for another generation. And so this is Aiden's great legacy, and it becomes the epicenter. It becomes a mission training center. If you think of seminaries, like Asbury Seminary is the fourth largest seminary in the United States. That's where I work. Well, Aiden's uh, Lindisfarne was the the largest, most kind of missiological significant seminary there in the north of England. That's how I would Amazing. Yeah. And so here's a connection for you if you were born in the north of England. Yeah. Um, so the monks on Lindisfarne, Lindisfarne Island was the first place that the Vikings destroyed. <laughs> cool. Right. Yeah. So they came in wow. and they're like plundering, you know, they're like destroying. 
Um, a saint that came after Aiden was Cuthbert. And okay. so I carry most days the Cuthbert. I wear a Cuthbert cross. My friend oh, wow. is a bishop in London, um, Rick Thorpe. He's got the Cuthbert cross. He's, he's got his bishop ring that's got the, the Cuthbert <laughs> cross. <laughs> and so Cuthbert was this great kind of miracle working bishop, became bishop of Lindisfarne. Well, when the Vikings came, the monks took his coffin and they brought him inland and they established what is now Durham Cathedral. So Cuthbert and Bede are buried in Durham Cathedral and Durham Cathedral Mm -hmm. is actually built in honor of Cuthbert, Mm -hmm. who was the bishop of Lindisfarne. So Durham Cathedral has a spiritual connection to Lindisfarne Island. That's incredible. Oh, wow. I've been to Durham Cathedral. I'm just like all of the imagery is sort of coming to my mind. Yeah. So beautiful. Incredible. Wow. So can you tell us a little bit about like obviously like you're writing this this book about um, St. Aidan and um, I guess you probably have a lot of thoughts on how this can benefit us today. Like why does the church of today um, need to know about St. Aidan and what can we draw from his life in terms of encouraging the church of today in our um, mission and ministry and and spirituality? No, it's great. Um, Yeah, I think the real burning passion for me is we are we're living through a fascinating time. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. this is like you know, craziest time Crazy. period. I've, yeah, I mean, just insane. And in mm-hmm. some ways, it's the emergence of Alistair McIntyre referred to it as the new dark ages. Wow. And I actually called um, George Hunter last year when the whole pandemic and I mean, dude, America has been going bonkers. The whole world's, mm. you know, crazy. crazy at the moment. And mm. I asked um, George Hunter, 80 something year old missiologist scholar wrote that Celtic way of evangelism. I said, mm. say, you know, McIntyre's, you know, Alexander McIntyre has influenced a number of scholars and thinkers like James mm. K. Smith and around the recovery of practices for today and kind of, yeah. And McIntyre kind of called for kind of the emergence of what he called a new um, Benedict society, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole conversation we could have around that. But I asked Mm. George Hunter, I said, are we in a new dark ages? Mm. And he said, you know, what what happened during the dark ages? You had Mm. you had an overthrowing of authority. You had you had a, a. a hatred of knowledge. You had mm. a destruction of, of learning um, there. Mm. And he went through this litany and he said, then if this is what happened wow. in the dark ages, this is where we are. And mm. so I think a lot of us are witnessing the dismantling of Western civilization. And wow. there are, I mean, there are a lot of sociological factors, just looking at it as a missiologist and an ethnographer. Yeah. I mean, I could talk to you know, globalization, like, mm. Last last five years, we've trained leaders in 20 different countries, literally. I mean, so I do a lot of work with global leaders. Um, but really, we are witnessing, it's a post-Christendom context for those mm. of us who are in Western kind of mm. religious Christendom paradigms. Let's put it that yeah. way. And um, what what is happening is we're witnessing the end of the a church era where the the, the 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 marrying of church and state where christianity mm. whether people were christian or not there was a there was a christian worldview if you will mm. yeah 
all of that's being has been dismantled and i think we're mm-hmm. witnessing the end of it yeah and um i think why this matters is you have all sorts of new churches that are swelling up you have fresh mm-hmm. expressions you have all sorts of kind of new innovative models my fear is and this is where there are and this is where a lot of my research converges in meeting the real world is I'm seeing a movement of Christians around the planet that are saying, let's not reinvent the church, but let's go back to the historic roots of the church, not mm. to like go back to the good old days, mm. but to have the rooting in, in the foundation so that we can engage the world in fresh mission. Yeah, And well. this is what happened with these Celtic um, missionaries. They, they stayed, they were anchored to the great tradition of the faith, you know, the uh, holding on to the faith once delivered to the saints. Mm, um, and then out of that, mm. then they did mission. Wow. And so that's where for me, I think there's a paradigm for, I think the future of the church depends on what we're talking about right now. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's what, yeah, both you know, given our, our research and our time and our scholarship to that area. And it's just funny, yeah. like when, when you mentioned that um, that verse, I think, is it in Jude? Um, yep. You know, cling to that, uh, what was once handed down to, to, the, to the apostles yep. and, and uh, that faith, cling to that faith. Um, and it's funny because I did a lot of research uh, in the Azusa Street Revival and across the top yep. of the publication, it, every publication, it said, like, earnestly cling to that faith cling once delivered. The, yep. Yeah, to the apostles. So, it's funny that like all of these, yeah, these revival movements that you're talking about, um, they obviously want to um, take that that mission that the Bible's yep. talking about. There's and, and, there's an impulse in in I can't say every, but many um, many of your great historic mm. movements. There's always an impulse to go mm. back. Yeah, it is okay. it is a there's there's a um, and that's part of uh, there's a Scottish ah. Uh, uh, revival, revivalist theorists. So I've got this whole thing that I do in like revival renewal movements. Mm. And what I'm identifying is I think there is an awakening among Christians wow. to return back mm. to the historic roots of the faith. Mm. It's not a denial of evangelicalism. It's a, not a mm. denial of charismatic experience, yeah. but it's a hunger for more. It's a higher synthesis. Mm. It's yeah. not saying I'm giving up Jesus for the sake of it. It's saying yeah. I, I want the whole gospel. Right. I that's want, so I want all that church mm. history has for me. And that's that's my word for today is mm. it belongs to all of us. Church yeah, history great. is like a mm. it's like I want to open the treasure church, a treasure chest of church history and say mm. this belongs to all, not just to one particular tradition. Totally. If it's mm. good and it's in there, it is our birthright. We can claim yeah. it. <laughs> Come on. I love that. Yeah. No one's got a monopoly on our tradition. Hey? Nobody's. That's right. Absolutely. And, and I think the flip side, um, I've seen a lot of Pentecostal charismatics mm. that have said, have left their their mm. spirit-filled background for the sake of, yes. you know, well, I'm embracing tradition now yeah. and I have to get all stuffy. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's both. You know, yeah. It's it's both. And I call it, yeah. the, it's, it's, it's the fire in the fireplace. So right. tradition... So cool. Mm. Tradition is a fireplace, mm. right? Great. And so what is a fireplace designed for? It's designed mm. to, it's not just a, a mantle. It's not just a dry, dead, mm. you know, piece of furniture. It's meant to hold fire. Mm. 
Mm. And the fire that's not in the fireplace can become wildfire. Mm, um, yeah. And so the fire actually belongs in the fireplace. And that's what tradition yeah. is. It's a fireplace Beautiful. that says, hey, come, come warm your, come warm mm. your, your, your body, you know, mm. um, next to this fire. We're, we're going to yeah, create a soul. container for mm. you to experience God in fresh ways. Oh, that's so powerful. And I think, as you said, that awakening, I, I feel, I don't know, um, I think you would probably agree that it's a spirit led awakening. It's not just, yes. you know, a natural like, oh, yeah, let's turn back to tradition. And let's I think the Holy Spirit is leading it us is. into that. Yeah. Into that deeper yep. expression. A good a good friend of mine calls it an ecumenicism of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've I don't know if you've read much of Thomas Odin's work. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Odin, Odin's mind blowing. He was a <laughs> yeah. liberal kind of theologian yeah. who like His discovered the early insane. church fathers yeah. and had this conversion experience. I've got it sitting over here. I'd go grab it. But uh, I think his most significant book I would recommend to everyone mm. is um, The Rebirth of Orthodoxy. Yeah. Where he actually says there's a holy it's I I'm claiming it as there's a holy spirit awakening <laughs> to on. rediscover historic orthodoxy wow and it's genuinely multicultural mm. historic orthodoxy the, the faith of the early yeah. church predates any western Absolutely. captivity of the church Absolutely. predates any high middle yeah. ages it's, or it's africa it's the middle east it's, it's yes, yes it's it, mediterranean it is before christianity yeah. ever came to the west yeah and let's go back to the source mm. let's go back to the faith once delivered and man the spirits there, and and what you see is when you look at again another a person who I've done published several books on is John Wesley, who was yeah, a great awesome. revivalist. Mm. Uh, we think in terms of Methodism, but he was an Anglican priest mm. um, who studied the early church, yeah, and pressed into the Eastern Fathers, mm. Theosis, Holy Spirit. Uh, many Pentecostal charismatic scholars refer to him as the grandfather of Pentecostalism yeah. because he emphasized sanctification and uh, as the second work of the Holy Spirit. Well, where did he get this stuff? He got mm, it from the early totally. church fathers. Yeah. He followed the source. You know? <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um I love that because that's probably where my love of this stuff came from because I was studying Wesley, like reading all of Wesley's diaries, reading how he connects with the history of of Pentecostalism and birth of Pentecostalism. And then I'm like, hey, this goes even further back, right back to the the early church fathers. That's what happened to me. Yeah. I I did my first public. Here's the crazy irony Mm. was my first publication was in the Asbury Theological Journal. Wow. And I'd never been to Asbury. And it mm. was the title of the article was Pneumatology and John Wesley's quad, uh, quad, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Yeah, I've, I've read that. I've read that. You've read that? Yeah. I read that. Brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> and so I was like, wow. I looked yeah. at his use of tradition through mm. the lenses of pneumatology and the cool. whole world opened up for me. Yeah. And it was Wesley that, just like what you said, Mm. Inter- I was actually kind of following that thread all the way back to the early church. And it's amazing. It's kind yeah. of like the scarlet thread of church history of Absolutely. renewal, spirit, liturgy, mm. all this stuff comes together there. Absolutely. There's such a wealth of, of, 
yeah, stuff to just even be explored and, and treasures that yeah. I think, especially for Pentecostal charismatics to go back in history, there's just so much just there waiting for us um, that yeah. will actually enhance your your spiritual journey and, and your Christianity and your faith. Um, but that's, that's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit maybe about um, I, we usually look at some some quotes, but I know we don't really have any direct quotes. Yeah, yeah. But we also look at um, some fun stories, any crazy stories or fun facts or anything that we have in that sort of space. Do you have anything about St. Aidan that we know it's a fun fact or maybe a story that you know of that's inspiring to you? Or- yeah, I, you know, there again, Bede tells these great stories of, again, he would just – you know, he would kind of have these retreats on the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fun stories that kind of got him in trouble, again, the king gave him this thoroughbred horse, you know, <laughs> as like a gift, you know, and <laughs> he's like, oh, thank you. And what was interesting was historically it's documented that he refused mm-hmm. to, part of because having a horse was associated with wealth. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if I'm going to reach ordinary people, I'm going to walk. And mm. Bede was very careful to wow. talk about how he walked everywhere that he went wow. uh, on foot. And it was walking and he memorized, he would recite the Psalms and it was on foot when he would walk with strangers and he would lead people to Beautiful. Christ just walking. Beautiful. And so many, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff in that as an analogy mm. for us today. Cause we're so totally. fast. We're so tech driven. Mm. We're, we're, we're on our cars. We're zooming, you know, we don't. Absolutely. We don't really see people anymore. Mm. And um, a lot of the evangelization that he did was on foot. Beautiful. And I remember seeing a, a documentary a while back on um, where N.T. Wright was on it. And he talked about how Jesus, he said, we, I love this quote. He says, we need to slow down to catch up with God. Wow. Amazing. We need to slow down to catch I up with God. I love that And Beautiful. his point was Jesus walked mm. on foot everywhere mm. that he went all the yeah. stories of jesus's journeys he's 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 walking on you know like the emmaus supper the you know he comes mm. to the disciples on the road to emmaus he's walking with them yeah and so i think aiden reminds us of this so i'm a surfer you know maybe some of y'all and cool yeah all, all the aussies yeah. yeah so i'm a surfer so outer banks yeah. we planted a church at outer banks uh jesse hines was my worship leader he was oh. a big wave exotic big wave surfer travel the world we we have friends from all over so our church that i planted in the outer banks we had a lot of aussies there people from awesome. Kiwi, new zealand yeah and um so I would go, you know, the surf, the Dom patrol, you know, you get up early, you go surfing. Yeah. And I remember um, one time I was going to my surf spot and the Lord said, go to the next, go to the next surf spot or go to the next parking area. This is like set early in the morning, you know, the sun's coming up. And, and I, I went to this next spot and there was, there was a guy sitting there on, on the, on the little boardwalk thing as I was walking over with my board. I remember the Lord said, mm. Talk to him about Jesus. Ask him. Wow. Ask him. Can and I just said, "Hey, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but can I pray for you?" Wow. Guy just broke down in tears. Wow, amazing. Just had to had a real power encounter there, and I, I could share more of those. But the idea is like God does amazing mm. stuff in ordinary yeah. um, places, and you know to use totally. the Celtic imagery of the thin places. Mm. With God, ordinary places become thin places of encounter. Um, 
And again, God chooses oftentimes some of the most Lindisfarne's like in the, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, wow. you know, um, so many people, even in the North of England, have never even been there, but hmm. this was a thin place. This was a place of meeting where God is a place of resurrection. And I think in our own lives, as we kind of look at the story of Aiden, Aiden was an ordinary guy who just refused, uh, you know, the horse, he refused riches. <laughs> he just traveled on foot yeah. and that's how God used him. And that's how God wants to use us is just in ordinary places, ordinary people who are just willing to trust God to do extraordinary things through us. Amen. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you so much for that. What incredible encouragement to myself and then everyone listening and watching. I think it's just so powerful how you've brought the two together. Is there anything else you want to say about St. Aidan? Anything that you want to tell us about maybe books that you've read that are good books if they want to get more out of him? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple writers. Again, if you if you were ever blessed to to go there, incredible mm-hmm. place. But one of the great spiritual writers. Um, there's there's two that um, came out of Lindisfarne. Um, mm-hmm. One is um, David Adam has written a number of um, kind of Celtic prayer books, um, cool. and they're like contemporary prayers. He he died a few years ago. Um. And but you can find his books on Amazon. David Adam. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the titles are just amazing. It's like um, the edge of glory, you know, like these Beautiful. ideas of like yeah, on the I edge of that. these thin places. And his so, prayer, these prayer books mm-hmm. are just oh. So then there's another guy who's actually still there who founded the. Um, it's kind of this dispersed, charismatic mm-hmm. mission community called the Community of Aiden Hilda. Wow. And his name's Ray Simpson. Wow. Don't try to reach him because he's like a modern day yeah. monk. Like really? You know, don't don't try to get him on your podcast. We don't know where he is. Yeah, we don't It is not gonna doing. happen. Yeah. Like I had my assistant, so I've got like an assistant. Yeah. I'm like, all right, track this guy down. Like I've got to talk <laughs> to him. And it took months. No, really. And, yeah, we were we finally got he finally figured out how to do dial up. We were we were talking and then the audio wouldn't work. Wow. And we finally made it happen one day and it was beautiful, but so David Adam, Ray Simpson, mm. he's still there. He's a great kind of saint in the north. Um, yeah. The Northumbria community, you know, they've got a little um, Celtic daily prayer that they, it's, I mean, it's, cool. it's, it was a phenomenon a number of years ago. Richard Foster wrote the forward to it. Mm. Um, these are some kind of spiritual resources that have come mm. out of the north. And so I go to England a few times a year. I do a lot of stuff um, with churches in England. A lot of my best mm-hmm. friends are there in Ireland. But there's just something special about the north of England. It's raw. It just has this raw spirituality that mm-hmm. just I just connect with. I mean, yeah. and, and the Lord's, you know, I was preaching at a large kind of, um, there's a church up in York that mm-hmm. filled with young people and a really awesome. old, it's um <laughs> St. Michael of Belfry, you know, wow. near university, cool. Holy Spirit movement happening, but it's an ancient, you know, it's one of these kind of ancient future sites. And amazing. the Lord just put on my heart, just this idea of just pray for fire in the North, you know, for Come God on. to just pour oh, out fire in the that. North again. Wow. And it's kind of recovering those foundations. And so mm. if you look at Aiden, his name means yeah. the fire. Really? Yeah. And so part of the symbol of Aiden is, Mm. is, is the little fire burning. Wow. And so, you know, God do it again in our day Mm. or light a fire, you know? Amen. 
Oh, I love that. That's incredible. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Winfield. Um, yeah. Do you have um, some books that you can sort of throw out there as well, some resources that you've written uh, that maybe if our listeners want to get more yeah, into your abs- work, they could go and check those out? Absolutely. Yeah. So again, you can kind of, you know, I've got a website, winfieldbevins.com. I'm on mm-hmm. Twitter. My art is on Instagram. You can find me on cool. Instagram with art, Facebook. If you have questions, want to reach out, you know, reach out, you know, I'm interacting. That's how we connected yeah. was on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, was absolutely. So cool. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't and... believe you messaged me back. I'm like, <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> so if you want to know about this as a movement, Ever Ancient, Ever New, The Allure mm. of Liturgy for a New Generation. I love um, that book. Is really, I feel like the Lord told me to write mm. that book. I interviewed yeah, 200 totally. young adults. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of a key book. Um, I look mm-hmm. at movement dynamics and marks of a movement, what the church cool. today can learn from the Wesleyan revival. And awesome. just finished a, just submitted a manuscript liturgical mission for InterVarsity. So super wow. excited. That'll be out hopefully next spring. They're just, they're working on a cover design now and I'll send you a preview copy of it. Please. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, thank you so much for being with us on the show today, um, Dr. Winfield Bevins. Uh, if you want to check him out, as he said, he's got a website, Twitter, Instagram. Please make sure you do that. Thank you so much for being with us today. And for everyone who's been watching, thank you for joining as well. We'll see you next time on the Eagle and Child podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.